good to sing in the morning, <laughs> but it's good to remember the goodness of our God today. His grace and his mercies are new for you and me. You guys can be seated. interesting because I had the thought, the older we get, the more we're willing to raise our hands today and say, oh, I need you. <laughs> I've tried everything else, but how I need you to break through. We talked about things like doubt, fear, pain, shame. Those are big words. But here's what's bigger. Exodus chapter 14, 14. It's kind of easy to remember. Here's what it says. The Lord will fight for you. Anybody tired of fighting? That's me. I'm going to raise two hands. <laughs> I'm tired. But the Bible promises that the Lord will fight for you. And then the rest of the verse says this. You need only to be still. 
what grace, what a gift, what power to break through when all I have to do is be still. Help me, Lord, help me, Lord. So maybe for 20 seconds, use your own words and tell them where you need God to break through. Maybe it's a person's name. Maybe it's a family. Maybe it's a situation. But what if we dared to say today, God, would you break through? So tell them. Use your own words. Well, you can be seated. We've got, over the course of this weekend, 27 baptisms. Yeah. And uh, so there are nine of them tonight, and all nine of these are students tonight, middle school and high school students. It's, you're going to get to hear little pieces of their stories and how they have encountered the love of God through Jesus in just a moment. And actually across the street, 678 is joining us, so we can say hello to them and they can say hello to us. So without further ado, let's... Uh, but here we are. There he is. Kai, wherever you are, come on and join me up here, Kai. Yeah. My name is Kai. My parents raised me to have God as a priority, but it wasn't until my first experience at Hume that I trusted Jesus fully for my salvation. Setting aside time to focus only on Jesus, let me experience his power and showed me how much I want and need him. Mm -hmm. God has always been with me to support me in my struggles, and he has given me hope by showing me what can be achieved through him. Mm -hmm. Jesus is leading me to be the best person I can be, and I am ready to take this next step in my faith. Well, that's awesome, Kai. God, keep, keep receiving that hope of what's possible with him. Kai, that little piece of paper just represents a record of your sins that is canceled on the cross. So you can place that, leave that on the cross, no record held against you, Kai, and join the others in the hallway. Parker, where's Parker? Come on, Parker. My name is Parker. Before I decided to choose Jesus, I was scared to put him first above everything else. I had fallen into a dark place. I was angry, depressed, and I struggled with a lot of thoughts about revenge. I felt like I couldn't trust anyone, but Jesus showed me I could trust him. He guided me out of the darkness and into the light. He changed my view on life. 
And I'm getting baptized today to give that life to Jesus. Oh, man, I love that. Parker, take that little record of sins, put it on the cross. And Jace, come on up, Jace. My name is Jace. Growing up, I was always taught to trust in Jesus. Now, that is what I believe for myself. Making my own decision to follow Jesus has given me hope when things are hard. Because of his guidance, I know I can look to him when I need help or have questions. Baptism is my next step after making a commitment to Jesus. Don't you love that? Jace, take this little record of your sins. And Sander, come on up. This is Jace's little brother, by the way. Come here, Sander. My name is Sander. Growing up with Jesus has made a difference in my life because I'm comforted knowing he is with me and that he loves me no matter what. Trusting Jesus has also compelled me to do things that are more like him and has given me a purpose in life. Now I'm getting baptized to take my next step closer to Jesus. I love that. Listen, you know, Sander, I love these two boys who've grown up in our church, heard about Jesus through their family and are choosing on their own to follow him. Would you just place that sander on the cross? No record held against you, buddy. Jacob, come on up. My name is Jacob. I have always believed in God, but God always felt too far away, and I never felt fully connected to the family of God. At the CA students' fall retreat this year, I opened my Bible to the parable of the seeds. I always assumed I was a rooted seed, but the word showed me I was a seed that had fallen into the rocks. I grew quickly, but I also fell away quickly. I realized I've been taking Jesus for granted with a lack of commitment. Now, I read my Bible every day to get to know Jesus better. I'm getting baptized today to declare my faith and show I'm firmly rooted in the living word. Oh, I love that. Jacob, we got a, there you go. We got a preacher among us, Jacob. Keep, keep learning his word like that. I love it. Violet, come on up wherever you are, Violet. My name is Violet. Before I trusted Christ in my life, I didn't know a lot about God. I wasn't honest with him, and I didn't really enjoy praying or reading the Bible. Then I opened my heart to Jesus, and it was amazing. Worship was different, and I now feel happier, safer, and closer to Jesus. I have started to be more open with him. Now I'm reading my Bible and praying, and I'm enjoying it. Oh, that's so great, Violet. Violet, nothing held against you, girl. Hudson. Come on up. My name is Hudson. Though I had decided to follow Jesus a long time ago, I recently started to feel detached from God. I was feeling empty and lonely, and I had a lot of anger when life went wrong. At the 678 fall retreat this year, I realized I had been coming to church without actually being there or being with God. Jesus showed me that I am filled with the Holy Spirit and that I have a church family. Now I know he wants me to get baptized at this time. Kayla, Kayla, come on and join me. My, my name is Kayla. I have gone through some dark and sad seasons. During those times, I felt lost and helpless. Then at the 678 fall retreat, I realized that Jesus was waiting for me to come home. Mm. Coming home has made a difference in my life because I no longer see Jesus as an accessory, but instead I see him as the most important person in my life. Mm. I know I don't need to worry because he is always with me. And if I ever feel lost again, I know I can run home to Jesus. Keep preaching it, Kayla, keep preaching it. Kayla, put that on the cross. One more, Caden. Come on up, buddy. My name is Caden. Before, before fully dedicating my life to Jesus, I didn't really trust him or his teachings. 
I never really connected with Jesus. Since coming to 678, I realized that Jesus is our one and only Savior. I'm reading the Bible more, worshiping harder, and I know I'm connected with the Lord. I want to be baptized today to celebrate that connection and declare my faith in Jesus. We celebrate with you, Caden. Take that. Put it on the cross there and join the guys in the back. There you go. Right up top. And Jim, you can go ahead and get in the water. Matt, come on into the water. I love the honesty in those stories, don't you? Kai, come on in. Kai, because of your faith in Jesus, we baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Parker. Parker, come on down in the water. Parker's dad is in the green shirt there. Parker, your dad told us, hold him under for a couple extra minutes. <laughs> Parker, because of your faith in Jesus, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jace, come on in, Jace. Jace, because of your faith in Jesus, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And Sander, come on in, bud. Sander, because of your faith in Jesus, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's Jason Sanders' dad on the other side of the water there. Jacob, come on in, bud. Yes. Jacob, a man of God's word. Keep letting your roots grow deeply down into his love for you. Jacob, because of your faith in Jesus, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Little Violet, come on in. Though she be small, there's a mighty power within her. Violet, because of your faith in Jesus, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hudson. Hudson, come on in. Yeah. Hudson, it's because of your faith in Jesus that we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Amen. <laughs> Kayla, come on in, Kayla. All right, Kayla, it's because of your faith in Jesus that we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Amen. And last but not least, come on in, Caden. 
Caden, because of your faith in Jesus, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome everyone, and congrats to all those who just got baptized. What a joy it was to get to participate in that. Yeah, and we, we are so excited for them and their faith in Jesus. Well, everyone, if I have not yet met you, my name is Jill. I'm one of the Community Life Pastors here. And again, welcome. It's so great to be with you. If you are new or visiting, we want to say a very special welcome. We're glad you've chosen to be with us this weekend. We have a connection card in your seat back, so you can fill that out as a way of letting us know that you're new and drop that in the offering bags when they come around in just a moment. We also have a new people's table out in the lobby with some friendly volunteers who would love to greet you and get connected with you as well as give you a free welcome gift. So be sure to stop by our table in the lobby after service. And then as always, we want to say a very special welcome to all those who are joining us online. So if that's you, if you're with us online, welcome, and we're glad that you are with us. Well, you guys have a couple of announcements for us today. First, we want to let you know that our Thanksgiving weekend services are happening next weekend, November 19th and 20th, and we're so excited to gather here to worship God and just celebrate his goodness and to worship him with Thanksgiving. So our services will be at our regular service times and locations, but we do encourage you to invite some friends, neighbors, coworkers, invite some guests to join us, and we hope to see you next weekend. Ladies, even though we just made a Thanksgiving announcement, we're already excited about Christmas as well. And so we are so excited to invite you to our women's gathering on December 7th. And it's called a cozy Christmas women's gathering because we are encouraging, it's not mandatory, encouraging you to wear your pajamas. Hence the cozy part of a cozy Christmas gathering. But come regardless of if you do pajamas or not. We're going to have a hot chocolate and cookies. We're going to sing Christmas carols together. And we're going to hear an encouraging message from God's word on the hope that we have and the hope we have in Jesus. So come and we hope to see you there. No RSVP is necessary and we do have an online option if that's helpful to you as well. We also want to let you know that on December 2nd through the 4th, we're going to be sending a team to Tijuana to partner with La Roca Ministries, which is one of our kingdom partners here at Christian Assembly. And that team is going to be putting on a Christmas outreach for impoverished families from the community, from the neighborhood, and children in the orphanage. The cost for that weekend trip is or that weekend outreach trip is $60, and you can get more information and apply for that on our website. And then finally, we have a CA Singles event coming up. And so if you are single and over the age of 35 years old, we would love to invite you to this. It's an opportunity to grow in your faith, connect with others, and hear an encouraging word on thriving through the holidays. That event is going to happen on November 17th. There's also going to be a holiday potluck dinner before the meeting. So you could get more info in your bulletin about that as well as how to RSVP. Well, now is the time in our service where we get to continue in our worship of this good and great God, and we get to do that through the giving of tithes and offerings. And in just a moment, we'll pass the offering bags, but as we prepare our hearts to give back to this really generous God, let me read to us what God's Word says from Matthew 6, 33. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And so we want to be people who seek first God's kingdom, and we want to be people who do that through our giving and through our financial generosity. So as I mentioned, in a moment, we'll pass the offering bags. As always, you can give online through our Christian Assembly LA app or on our website. If you're new or visiting, please feel no obligation to give. And as always, we want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, Christian Assembly, for your ongoing giving and generosity. Would you join me as we pray? God, thank you so much for all that you've given us and all that you've done for us. God, thanks for all the, the lives and the stories of those who just got baptized. Thank you for their faith in you, Jesus, for their commitment to you. And God, just keep them walking so strongly with you all the days of their life and use them for your glory and your kingdom purposes, God. God, thank you for how generous you are. Thank you for everything you've given to us. Help us to be generous to you with our finances, with our time, with every resource and every good gift you've put in our lives. God, speak to us throughout the rest of this service, and we pray this in your great name, Jesus. Amen. The ushers can come forward. Well, hello, Christian Assembly. Hope you are having a great evening. It was great to participate in baptisms tonight. And so uh, for all the parents and grandparents and aunts, uncles, teachers, and leaders, thank you for your prayer investments. Thank you for these young lives that were baptized. Uh, just a pleasure to be a part of that with you tonight. 
Uh, my name is Marvin. For those that have not yet met, uh, I just want to say thank you for being here. It's a pleasure to be with my CE family. Any friends or visitors, thank you so much for being with us this day as well. And if you're joining us online, just want to say thank you for joining us online as well. Well, as we've been doing in this prayer series, we've been looking at um, different tips from the life of our congregation as people have recorded these little tips and they've uh, shared it with us. So let's take a look at the side screens and look at the tip for today. Hi, I was really honored to talk about my prayer life as it has changed so much in the last four years. Having attended Spiritual Authority Cohort has opened up so many ways to go before the Father. Probably the special, the most special one is listening prayer, where I take time every morning in, in the dark, in quiet, and try and quiet my mind to hear Him, to know He speaks to me, to ask Him what to pray for. And then I love the one that's called um, priestly prayer, where as a parent, as a grandparent, I get to take authority over my family, pray the blood of Jesus over them for anything. I had an incident when one of my grandchildren told me they didn't know if they believed in God. And I was just panicked. And then I remembered, I get to pray over them. I get to take them to the Father. I get to stand in the gap for them. And that's just been so incredible. And then the third um, this year has been the blessing. Instead of intercessory prayer, it's declarative prayer that I get to bless others. And I've had so many opportunities being out in a restaurant. And this one evening watching this lady in front of me at another table seemed so sad. And after dinner, I just asked, can I pray for you? And with tears, she wept saying, yes, please, please. My husband just left me and my mother just died. It, so listening to God goes with blessing others because I heard his voice saying, pray for her. There's something not right. There's something wrong. So it, I just feel my prayer life has just been enhanced incredibly. Not to, to be a big thing about uh, spiritual authority cohort, but it's been amazing, the doors that have been opened. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. So powerful that our prayers can impact the circumstances around you. Thank you, Reggie, for sharing that. The Spiritual Authority Cohort she mentioned is a group that focuses on doing just that, praying in the authority that Jesus gives us. Well, for our topic tonight, I wanted to think about and talk about um, in this prayer series that we've been on, um, how God might handle um, our different prayer requests. And, and if, if I were honest, if I'm God, I'm not, but if I'm God, maybe I would handle prayer requests a little bit differently than the way God handles them. Have you ever considered that or that uh, thought ever popped up in your head and say, oh, maybe I would do things a little bit differently? I mean, like, I would just give everybody what they wanted, right? I mean, I would just say yes to all prayers and everybody would be happy, right? Okay, maybe that would be more like Oprah and less like God. You get a car, you get a car. Everybody gets a car. <laughs> well, somebody in Hollywood actually had this same thought. You've probably seen the movie Bruce Almighty, but exactly that's what happens in that movie, right? Uh, the character uh, Bruce, played by Jim Carrey, is given godlike powers, and he has the responsibility of answering all incoming prayers. A and instead of telling you about it, let's just watch a little clip, right? That's more fun, right? You've got prayers. Welcome to the Revelation Superhighway. We bless, no mess. Downloading now. <laughs> it's good. It's good. This is gonna take a while. One million five hundred twenty-seven thousand five hundred and three prayer requests. I better manifest some coffee. Hola, Juan Valdez. Buenos días. Buenos días. Disfruto un buen café. Gracias, señor. Adiós. Adiós. Ah, now that's fresh mountain-grown coffee from the hills of Colombia. Good. 
some kind of a dent by now. Oh, come on! Oh. What a bunch of whiners. This is gonna suck up my whole life. You know what? Yes, to all. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Now everybody's happy. <laughs> Wouldn't you hand up prayers that way? Yes to all. Everybody gets what they want. But here's the spoiler alert. In case you haven't seen the movie, you can plug your ears right now. Uh, spoiler alert. Things don't go so well for Bruce in this movie because everybody gets what they want. So that means everybody wins the lottery. The stock market goes haywire. And within a number of hours, people are rioting in the streets of Buffalo, New York. It is crazy. But here's the thing. I think we can all kind of relate on some level. I mean, it's, it's frustrating to pray for things, and maybe you feel like your prayers have gone unanswered. Have you ever prayed and, and maybe you felt like, God, where are you in this? Where's the response that I was hoping for? Sometimes our prayers and our prayer life can get hard. It may seem like your prayers go unanswered. It may seem like your faith is weakened. It may seem like doubt has crept into your prayer life. And I would love nothing more than to, for this message to be a running story of all the times that God has miraculously shown up when I prayed and tell me, and I'll tell you, that there's so many of those stories that I could share with you tonight. But in full honesty, there's also times in my own life when prayer has been really hard, when I felt as though I've prayed with full earnest, with passion, and I felt like my prayers were not answered or we're not heard. So I want to talk to you today about what happens when our prayers gets hard. When we're going to look at common obstacles that we might face in those challenging times. And we're going to see how God helps us in those, in overcoming those obstacles in those difficult times. And we're going to see the helps that he has for us even today. So would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much that you're a good God, that we can pray to you and know that you love us and you know what's best for us, Lord. And so, Lord, we know that for so many of us, there are various needs that are in our hearts and in our minds. Some of us are facing really difficult circumstances. And so, Father, we just, we give you our lives, we give you our prayers, we give you our, our very breath, Lord. Would you have it all? Be with us tonight, Lord. Be with us tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as uh, Jesus enters his final days on earth, he gives his disciples a few more words on the topic of prayer. And so we're going to focus in on those words. They're found in Mark chapter 11. And we're going to read verses 20 through 25. And they are in your bulletin if you want to uh, follow along. Of course, they can be on side, side screens as well. So Mark 11, 20 through 25 says, In the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. And Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answers, have faith in God. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go and throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you of your sins. The main theme of this chapter in Mark chapter 11 is this, this theme of authority. It begins with Jesus' triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem, and he's being celebrated as a king. And then in, in one of his walks with his disciples, Jesus sees this fig tree, and he curses the fig tree because it had no fruit on it. And so there's this, this whole theme of authority. Jesus even goes into the temple in that week and cleanses the temple, making, uh, throwing over tables, beating the money changers with a whip. And, and for their, they were taking advantage of people in this space, in the space where people were worshiping God. And so we see in this passage, amongst this week, when we're thinking and talking about this theme of authority, we're seeing this conversation that takes place between Jesus and Peter. Peter remembers the words that Jesus had spoken against this fig tree, this judgment, and sees that the tree had actually withered, just like Jesus said it would. And then it seems like 
like Peter's surprised. He's genuinely amazed that what Jesus said would happen has actually occurred. At seeing his surprise, Jesus responds to Peter's questioning. Jesus responds to Peter's amazement in this conversation that we just read. And it tells us a lot about how we pray faith-filled prayers. See, Jesus tended to do this with people that he was around, with disciples. He tended to, to answer a question or, or, or some kind of conversation they'd had, going deeper. and almost seems like he had changed the topic of conversation, but really getting to the heart at what was happening. And that's exactly what's happening here with Peter. Peter is shocked that this tree is actually withered. And Jesus says, if you have faith in God, you're going to see more than this tree wither. You're going to see mountains move. That's what Jesus says. And I love that in this conversation between Peter and Jesus, Jesus then goes on to include others in that conversation. He says, if anyone, he uses that phrase, if anyone. He doesn't say, Peter, if you pray this way, mountains are going to move. He doesn't say, disciples, if you pray this way, mountains will move. He says, if anyone should have faith in God, we'll see mountains move. But if you're like me, then you're thinking, I'm praying for some really big things right now. I'm praying for a mountain in my life. And I have faith in God, but, but, but I've prayed this prayer I've, I, 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 with passionate plea before the Lord. I've begged, I've fasted, I've done all the things. And I'm not seeing this mountain move. Pastor and author Tim Keller says this about prayer. He says, I can think of nothing great that is also easy. Prayer must be then one of the hardest things in the world. This idea of prayer sometimes being difficult became real to me when I was about 19 years old. I received a call that you don't want to get. I received a call one day saying that my grandfather had fallen very ill and was suffering. It was one of those calls that we get and just shakes you to your core. I love my grandfather. He lived with us for several years, and every day when I get home from school, he was sitting on the porch, and he was rocking himself, and he, he would just talk about people passing on the street and, and make fun of people, and he would just say silly jokes, and, and, and he was the, the kind of person that just said the most obnoxious thing all the time, but it was so funny. I loved my grandfather. The call said something like this. You should come to the hospital immediately. Things don't look good. And so, of course, I... I rushed over to the hospital, and, 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 and I walked into this room where most of my family had now gathered, and everyone was crying around his hospital bed, and, and I walked into this scene, and I just, all I could think about was my grandfather needs to hear the love of Jesus Christ. And I said, 19 years old, I walked into this room full of adults, most of them believers, and I said, we need to, to invite him to, to follow Jesus, even if this is his last days on earth. And I just knew that that's what he needed to do, and and and. and to God be the glory, my grandfather was conscious enough to listen to the question that we proposed to him, and he'd, he'd known that we'd follow Jesus, and, and we, we came to the place of, would you like to give your life to Christ? He, he said yes, and, and I got to, with others, pray for, with and for my grandfather in that moment for him to open his heart to Jesus. And I thought for sure that God would heal my grandfather. I prayed for his healing. I cried before the Lord. I begged for his healing. I called my pastor and I said, my grandfather's sick, could you come and pray? And he came to the hospital and he prayed with me. And I thought, this is going to be it, right? He's going to get healed. He's given his life to you. After two days of the most intense prayers I had ever prayed in my 19-year-old life at that point, my grandfather died. I felt defeated. I felt as that God had let me down in that moment. He was the first person in my life that had ever died. And I was grateful that in his last moments, in his last days, he was able to give his life to Jesus, but it still hurt a lot. And many years have now passed since that day. And as I look back on that moment, I can see how God was at work. I can see how God allowed my grandfather to be conscious enough to make that decision of faith I learned that as a young person that when I was desperate and in need of help that I could turn to God and he was my comforter and I received his comfort. I know that my grandfather's pain and suffering had permanently been healed by him now being in heaven. And, and I don't tell you this story 
a long time has passed, and I don't tell you the story to tie a, a fun, neat little bow around it to say it's all going to be okay, because in that moment, I was hurting. And it's taken me a long time, many years, to come to these important conclusions in my life. And I know that some of you today are in those tough places. I know some of you here today are seeing mountains, are seeing storms around you, and you're praying, and you're praying earnest, faith-filled prayers. But these moments do shape us. They refine our perspective. They help us to know and to love Jesus more intimately. And so, based on this passage, I'd like for us to look at four things that can help us overcome obstacles in prayer. So the first thing is this. Believing prayers are rooted in faith in God and not in ourselves. Isn't that a good thing? That when we pray, we're praying to the God of heavens, and we're not praying to ourselves or to anyone around you. Jesus begins his conversation by telling Peter, have faith in God. Notice it's not have faith in your ability to pray. It's not have faith that you fasted enough. It's not have faith that you've done all the requirements to get your requests met. It says have faith in God. Believing prayers begin and end with faith in God, period. Why? Because he's the only one capable of answering our prayers. We're not capable, I'm not capable of answering our, my own prayers. You're not capable of answering your own prayers. If that were the case, we wouldn't be praying them. We would just go about doing the things that we're asking for. Instead, we choose to believe, uh, believe in faithful prayers, knowing that it ultimately rests on God's shoulders. It's on him to answer those prayers. It's on him to move those mountains. When Jesus says, have faith in God, he uses the New Testament word pistis for faith. And this means a conviction of the truth. Jesus says that when it comes to prayer, we ought to have a conviction of the truth of who God is. So question for you today. Do you have a conviction of truth for who God is when you pray? Do you have a conviction of truth that God hears your prayers, that God has a plan? Do you have a conviction of truth that God works all things to the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose? Do you have a conviction of the truth that whatever has taken place in your past, God is still able to move mountains today? Have faith in God. A second thing we can learn from this passage is that believing prayers should fill us with expectation, but always bring glory to God. Jesus says, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. These are powerful words. These are words that should empower our prayer lives. This, the, these words should fill us with confidence, with expectation, encouraging us to be bold as we bring our mountain-sized requests before the Lord. But these words can also be misinterpreted. You mean, God, I can pray for whatever I want, and I get whatever I want, whenever I want? Is that the way this works? You might think that as you read a passage like this. But let's remember what we've already learned in this series, and let's remember that Scripture helps us to interpret other parts of Scripture. And what we've already learned in this, script, in this series is that the chief end of prayer is always to bring glory to God. We learned that through John 17. Look, it's okay to want our loved ones to be healed. And it's okay to pray those things. But let's remember that Jesus teaches us to pray that the will of the Father would be done in our lives, that he would be glorified in all things. And so when we come to that place where we understand and surrender our lives, our wants, our desires in submission to his will, well, that changes the way I pray. And that should change the way you pray as well. It's like, it's like saying to God, God, I know what I want. Here's what I want. But I know that what you want is better than what I want. And saying this doesn't lessen your faith. It's just coming into a perspective and maturity and prayer and knowing that I don't have all the answers, that I don't know all things, and that his thoughts and ways are better than my thoughts and my ways. I think sometimes, if I'm honest, I have a hard time praying God's will be done because, because I know that sometimes God's will is different than my will. It's different than the things that I'm asking for. 
And I have to learn to surrender that. And I have to learn to accept that. Listen to how Paul wrestles with this thought in 2 Corinthians. It's not in your bulletin, but it'll be on the screens. In 2 Corinthians, he says, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger to Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Jesus has a similar interaction in the Garden of Gethsemane just hours before he was at the cross. He asked God, God, if there's any other way, if there's any other way that this can happen, but thy will, your will be done, not mine. Both Paul and Jesus pray prayers that learn to align with God's will. And sometimes God's will and God's response to our prayers is no. And so, friends, let's begin by examining our own motives in prayer. Is your request motivated by bringing glory to God? Are you fully surrendered to God's will for your life? One additional note that, that can help us in the way that we pray, that I've found helpful in the way that we pray, is that we, we can make our uh, prayers more specific before the Lord. Now, sometimes we pray things like, Lord, bless me, help me, be with me, and it's just kind of this ambiguous, kind of open-ended blessing for today. Um, but James encourages us to pray specific prayers. James 4, 2, and 3 says, you don't have because you don't ask God. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And so I think one of the reasons that we can find help is when we pray specific prayers, and we can see that those specific prayers are answered. That fuels, that gives us faith, that empowers our prayer life, and it motivates us to keep on coming back to the Lord with our prayers. When, when prayers are too general and too broad, then we don't really know, did, did God respond to that? I don't know. Did, did something just kind of cool happen, or was it God? Because general prayers like that don't really allow us to focus on the response from God. Specific prayers... We can tell if, when, and how the prayer was then answered. Several years ago, uh, my wife and I were praying for a job opportunity that had been presented to her. And in this, she had received a job offer, and we had to pray about, Lord, is this your will? And we surrendered, and we did all the things, and we're praying with faith. And in this prayer request, we had just a number of days. She had just a number of days to respond to this particular uh, offer. And so it was a very specific prayer. It was like, Lord, here's this request. Should we take it? Should she take it? She'd move into this role. And oh, by the way, Lord, we have this much time to respond. And so we prayed that prayer and we just did that. And in, that, in those days, uh, someone had invited someone to come to our uh, staff meeting or someone to come pray for our staff. And this person who I had never met before came and prayed over me. This person who didn't know my wife, my wife was not in the room, came and prayed over me. And he gave me a very specific word in response to my prayer from the Lord. It was a very specific request that we brought before the Lord, and the Lord answered within that time frame a very specific response. And so, friends, I encourage you to pray specific prayers before the Lord. Number three, believing prayers don't look to assign blame, but they do invite examination. You know, we humans... We're, look, we're good at looking for and assigning blame. Who's at fault for this prayer not being answered? Is it me? Is it someone else? Am I not praying enough? Is there any sin in my life? Jesus, one day, he comes across a blind man. And, and it's probably someone that people had prayed for on multiple occasions. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure he had probably prayed for himself. And, he, and his disciples and Jesus saw this blind man. And his disciples, rather than seeing the moment where Jesus might do something cool, uh, they say, who sinned? This man or his parents, they wanted to know who can we blame for this man's condition. Jesus quickly responds in John 9, 3, and he says, you're looking at it all wrong. He says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Jesus said, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. You see, where others were looking for blame, Jesus refocuses and reminds them that this situation occurs to bring glory to God. And so maybe the situation that you're currently facing wasn't caused by someone or something, but rather it's simply because God wants to be glorified through your life in this situation. And while we don't look for moments of blame, 
these moments where we come to the Lord in prayer do open the opportunity for us to self-examine ourselves. Now, you might be thinking, well, that sounds a little contradictory. It's not. It's not contradictory. Blame is about looking for cause, while examination invites consecration. Jesus teaches his disciples that it's not about looking for blame, but he also invites us and commands us even to examine ourselves regularly. In this passage, in Mark, going back to Mark chapter 11, it says, at the end, Jesus says, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. You see, unforgiveness can impede our prayers. And so when we approach the altar of God, it's a perfect opportunity for us to examine ourselves. Is there any unforgiveness in my life? Is there any relational issue that I've got to go and address and make right before I come back to this place of prayer? Likewise, moments of prayer are a great opportunity for God to reveal any unconfessed sin in my life. It's a moment of self-examination. It gives us the opportunity to confess and repent of our sins. David says in Psalm 66, 18, If I had cherished sin in my heart, heart, the Lord would not have listened. Jesus encourages us to make confession of sin a regular part of our prayer time. And here's the truth. It is really hard for me to approach the throne of grace and pray faith-filled prayers knowing that I am in disobedient to God's word in any area in my life. It just, it's just I already know that my faith is lessened when I am disobedient before the Lord. And so Jesus encourages us to examine ourselves, to confess our sins, so that we might receive forgiveness and his grace and his love. See, at the heart of prayer, Jesus is inviting us to come before his throne. And so the final teaching point for today is this. Believing prayers are less of an event and more of an encounter. Some of us, you know, we think that we have to do more in prayer to get our prayers heard. We pray louder prayers. We pray longer prayers. We make promises before the Lord. We punish ourselves. We go through all of these gyrations hoping that maybe God will listen to our prayers. And what Jesus really wants is for you to begin to experience an intimate encounter with him. He says in Matthew 6, 6 and 8, But when you pray, go into your room. Close the door. Pray to the Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on praying like the pagans do. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. See, God is not moved by longer and louder and, and all of these different things. God is moved when we approach Him and we have these intimate encounters. When we go into that secret room, we close the door behind us and we just lay at the Father's feet and we say, Lord, here's my heart. I surrender to you today. One of the ways that I like to remind myself to focus my prayers so that it, they don't just turn into a laundry list of all of the things that I'm praying for before the Lord is a simple acronym that I learned many years ago, and I'd like to share it with you. Um, it's the acronym ACTS. I was in the military, so acronyms are important to me. It helps me focus, and so I just want to share that with you if you want to write it down, if it helps you at all. But the acronym ACTS helps me focus my prayers. A is adoration. I remind myself before anything else, the daily reminder that there is a God and I'm not Him. The humanity in me wants to focus on the size of the mountain before me. But when I worship the Lord, I focus on the God who is bigger than the mountain before me, than the circumstance around me. The thing about mountains is that sometimes they move all at once, but also sometimes they move one day at a time. And when I begin to worship the Lord, I see my mountain moving. God is good even when the mountain is big. God is good even when the circumstance is hard. God is good even when the diagnosis is scary. God is good when I feel empty. God is good all the time, and when I worship him, I remind myself of that. So I begin my prayer time with worship, and sometimes it's just me in my own words telling God what I feel in my heart and worship him, and sometimes it's even hard for me to do that, so I'll put on some music, and Tommy helps me to do that through his lyrics or other people that sing with us, and I just sing along to lyrics and prayers that have been written by others. And other times I go to historical prayers because for centuries Christians have been praying faith-filled prayers and sometimes I am encouraged by the prayers of others. 
So I begin with praise. I begin with adoration. The C is for confession. We've already talked about unconfessed sin being an impediment to prayer life. Confession is just me being honest before the Lord. It's an honest reflection of saying, here's my shortcomings. I own them. I bring my faults before the Lord. I offer heartfelt repentance, and then I receive the grace and the love and the forgiveness that comes from our Heavenly Father. T is for thanksgiving. I make a regular part of my prayer time as it helps me to refocus my request, just to be grateful before the Lord, just to go back through answered prayers and focus on all the times that God has met my need, all the times that God has not answered my prayers the way I wanted them to be prayed, and yet it still turned out better than I thought they were, it was going to turn out. That is what Thanksgiving does for me. If you're a parent, you get this, right? I love the fact that my kids might feel safe enough to come to me with any request that they might have. I mean, I encourage that. I have two kids in college. They ask me for a lot of things all the time. <laughs> and as a dad, I will do whatever is in my power to grant their request. But then there are those, those rare moments. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. Those rare moments when one of my kids, they'll just curl up in my lap. They'll just hug me. They'll just look at me. And they'll just say, Daddy, I love you. Thank you. Oh, ask me for whatever you want. <laughs> it's just offering gratitude before the Lord. It's just offering our hearts. And the yes is supplication. And supplication is just a fancy way of saying what you're asking for. But I do like that the dictionary definition of supplication adds this. It says, to ask or to beg for humbly. And I think that's a good word. God invites us to, to bring our request before him. He wants to hear your supplication. He wants to hear what's troubling us. He wants to hear what is in our hearts. But he invites us to do it with an attitude of humility. An attitude of humility says this. Lord, I'm asking you for this, but I acknowledge that your ways are better than my ways, so I pray your will be done. Tommy, if you could join me up front. Several years ago, I had an opportunity to take a family trip. We went to Mexico, and as part of that trip, um, you know, there's a number of different excursions that you can go on, but one of the excursions that you know, we decided to, to book was this snorkel trip, which you need to get on a boat for the whole day, and they take you out, you snorkel, and then they take you to this private island or beach or something, and they, you know, they give you lunch, and then they give you back. It's a cool full-day excursion. And so we're, we're getting ready to go on a boat. I think I have a picture of it. There it is. I said it was a long time ago, so I know. Look at my kids. They're all, those are the two that are in college today. Um, <laughs> So we're getting ready to go on this boat. It's beautiful blue skies in Mexico. Um, it, it was an amazing moment. And so we're, we're out there. We're having a great time. We go, on this, uh, we go on this snorkel trip. Then we go on this island. They give us a great lunch. And, you know, it, like it happens in these tropical areas, from out of nowhere, this, like, clouds start getting gray. This storm rolls in. We're on this beach, and it starts pouring. And I mean pouring. I have never experienced rain like this before in my life. Certainly not here in Los Angeles. Uh, <laughs> I, it was pouring. And so everyone starts gathering their stuff, you know, packing up their, you know, beach stuff, their chairs and all of their equipment, trying to get back to the boat. In order to get back to the boat that brought us onto this island, you had to go on a little small boat to get there. And so here we are with two kids, and, and you know, we got all this stuff, and, and all these people are rushing on this little boat. No one is looking at us and saying, oh yeah, by the way, the parents with the little kids, let them go first. No one's saying that. So, so everyone gets on the boat before us. We finally make it to the larger boat. And, you know, it's, it's one of these two-deck two catamaran kind of boats. The first deck was covered, and it has chairs on the bottom. Everyone's piled in in this covered area. And so we're looking around, and I'm holding the two kids, like, really, like, with just a desperate look in my face, like, please, would you give up your chair for the dad with two kids? <laughs> Nobody's giving up their chair this day. It's raining that hard. And so the, the guy, the crew member says, we need to get going, so you guys need to go upstairs. And so we climb the steps, and we go up to the top. It's not covered. There's, it's pouring rain on us. And it, it's just, it's like a two-hour-long boat ride back to the shore. And so we're in, the, the waves are tossing, and, and the boat's moving, and I'm there holding one of my kids in my arms, and it's just miserable. And it was so miserable and so absurd that my wife decided she'd take a picture of this moment. 
Because what's happening here is I told a crew member, I said, look, man, we've got kids. Please help us. So he brings me a trash bag. That was his way of helping me. Here, put this trash bag over your child. It'll be all better. And so what I'm doing there is I'm holding my daughter in my arms, who's now covered in a trash bag. I'm miserable. It's wet. It's cold. I didn't bring any other clothes. It was horrible. But you know what? Inside that trash bag was my daughter. And you know what happened? She was tucked away, snuggled in my chest. She fell asleep. Two-hour-long ride, (laughs) she fell asleep. She didn't know that we were facing the worst storm that we had ever experienced. She didn't know that we were miserable. She didn't know that we were wet, cold, and all the rest. She knew that she was safe in my arms. And so here's the thing. When we approach the throne of God, when we come to the altar, we will face storms. There's mountains before us. But the invitation from God, the invitation from Jesus, it says, come, surrender your will before mine. Pray faith-filled prayers knowing that I am God, knowing that if anyone's going to respond to your prayer, it's me, knowing that I'm your loving Father that invites you to come before me. And see, I'm a human dad. I couldn't promise that I was going to be safe on that boat trip, but I can promise you that you'll be safe in the Father's arms because he encourages us time and time again through Scripture. Come, come, come. Surrender your will. Bring your mountain-sized requests before the Lord. Worship, confess, give thanks, and bring your requests. He's the one that is able. He is the one that is good. Would you pray with me? Thank you, loving Father. Thank you for being a good, good Father. Thank you for encouraging us to pray faith-filled, believing prayers. Lord, if there's anyone here tonight, even online, Lord, that is going through some really difficult things in their lives, that circumstance in their lives feels chaotic, feels huge, feels mountainous, feels like a storm is raging around them, Lord, would you remind them that you are able and that you're waiting for them, that you love them. So would you meet with them, Lord? Lord, we surrender our will to yours, knowing that your ways and your thoughts are bigger and greater than ours, Father God. Most of all, we worship you, Lord. We worship you for who you are because of your past faithfulness, because of who you are in our lives today. We worship you in this place. In Jesus' name.